Now it looks like Guelph might not even make the playoffs. This is just a might not. Compl- Sorry, might not, not, not. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. No, that's completely fair. They they are not going to make the playoffs this year, and that's the craziest thing that I think I've I'm looking back on it. The craziest thing that I could have thought to have said. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Tom Sterling and I are back on the mics for the Week 8 preview. Um, to, you know, Tom, this is, the, I guess, you know, not to get into a whole discussion of of gender politics in our culture. I I, I can't call you anything still but Mr. Tom Sterling. I don't have like a, a Mrs. equivalent, but as I was saying, you're glowing more than you normally glow. Anything you want to tell to uh, uh, our fans and, and, and the, the Tom Sterling heads out there specifically, uh, how life's been treating you these past two weeks? Yeah, yeah, things have been uh, absolutely fantastic. Once again, just wanted to say a quick thank you to everybody who reached out and uh, said a congratulations to me on the wedding day. I saw uh, Bubba O'Neill was uh, almost gave us a shout out there. And thank you uh, and the, the fellows at the, at the 55 for tweeting that out, Adam. I know it wasn't he wasn't able to say it on the air, but just the fact that he tweeted something out was just fantastic as well. Uh, I got a pretty good chuckle when I heard the uh, the preview last week and Nate almost did an impression of me. Uh, I was looking forward to that, but uh, I guess that'll that'll have to wait. But I don't want to disappoint all those Nate Hobb fans out there, but I am back and I'm back for the rest of the season. So uh, excited as hell to be back with you. Yeah. Well, and you know what, and, and love Bubba, but you know that was to not, not to bring up a, a perhaps sore memory for Marauders fans, but that was in the beatdown the Mustangs were putting down on them. So if you couldn't look at your Twitter real quick, Bubba, during that game, I don't know if you ever can look at your Twitter. But we'll put uh, all that past action, wedding, and uh, OUA games aside, and get into this week's action. Um, sort of as a brief overview, you know, there's. There's a few games on here that stand out, but it seems as we've kind of been coming down into the latter half of the season, what started off as a very wild, wild west of an OUA where it seemed like aside from the very best and those who are, uh, you know, (laughs) figuring things out, it seemed like it was an anyone can beat anyone type situation. It does seem to... seem it does feel as though teams have really started to pull away and i think that is kind of reflected in 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 a number of these games um but none or i'll give you an opportunity to speak on that just sort of how the uh seasons perhaps played out to this point as far as the things that you're kind of looking forward to big picture before we kind of get into the specifics of these uh these games coming up this week if there's anything that sort of you're really like you still feel like is, is is yet to play out yeah, um, in terms of the actual the gameplay itself, I think <clears throat> excuse me, I think a lot of the teams have really showcased who they are at this point. You know, uh, Western has done what they we expected them to do and dominated on the ground, just dominated in general kind of thing. Queens has really showcased themselves. Teams like Guelph have just kind of shocked us and everything, but we've we've seen where teams have now kind of settled within the rankings a little bit here. There might be a little bit of contention here with a few teams in the middle, but for the most part, the top and the bottom have really established themselves. What I'm most interested in are specifically two, maybe three teams. Uh, Wilfred Laurier, Golden Hawks, McMaster Marauders, and one or two of the uh, Ottawa teams, either Carleton or Ottawa, and I'm leaning more so towards Ottawa. 
I think that specifically with Laurier and McMaster, they've really started to find their groove and just starting to build upon previous wins and previous games and things like that. And I know McMaster Marauders are the only one two games. Like it's not, it's not a great thing, but in each of the games that I've seen, I've seen them get slowly better and better and better. And I think that they're going to be, I don't want to say rolling by any means, because, you know, even if they go into the season at four and four, if all things work out, that's not necessarily rolling, but you're starting to see them pick up a little bit of speed and pick up a little bit of pace going into the playoffs. And anytime you get a couple of teams like that, that's makes with some great playoff contention because you might see a little upset here or there. Uh, and so I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. We'll see about Carlton. You know, they had the big loss against uh, Ottawa and uh, going into the bye week and things. It's just a shame because you and I have both kind of talked about there's just there seems to be so much potential with this Ravens squad and they just haven't really shown it, put together a full game, in my opinion, even with the big win against Windsor and everything else. So I'm interested to see how the playoffs affect some of these mid range teams, because when you really get that fire underneath you of it's do or die time now, you start to see the best of the best or, hey, we're going to empty out the playbook. Here's a triple reverse uh, throw touchdown 80 yard play and it always makes for exciting football yeah I mean you you brought up in sort of your last point there two teams that right now if the playoffs were well oh sorry I was I, I was misreading the schedule so actually for a second I I, I thought we were going to have a, a perhaps possibly a rematch of Carlton Windsor I, I'm actually doubting that's going to happen but I think for Carlton they definitely demonstrate in that game albeit at home and we went over all the frustrating things about that of it being the one o'clock game for Windsor to cross the whole province and you know da 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 about that um but I think that you know when you look at the remaining schedules for those two teams, this is an opportunity for you mentioned Mac getting into the playoffs rolling. I think this is an opportunity for Carlton to get into the playoffs rolling. And you know, as it stands right now, it's a matchup with the Golden Hawks in that opening round, that four five matchup, so to speak, which would be in Kitchener. But as you said, you know, a, a team getting hot can make all the difference in the world. Um, so Carlton is definitely a team that you know they've kind of given you, me, and Nate all year, kind of giving us fits. Let's see if they can get rolling as well and just get the best. Even if some of us think the uh, Yates Cup is perhaps a, a fait accompli, uh, some really, some really exciting matchups in the first and second round. But enough of that sort of big picture conversation. We'll get into the matchups here in Week Eight. We are, uh, you know, after the excitement of the Thanksgiving slate of games, having a little uh, spaced out action. Uh, those Friday night games, the Thursday night games, we're back to our usual one o'clock smorgasbord. Um, so we'll start off with the first game listed on the schedule where those very Windsor Lancers are traveling here to London to take on the 6-0 Western Mustangs. Windsor, of course, coming off their lacklustering performance, uh, their lacklustering win in Toronto versus York. Western coming off of their, I mean, maybe to some it lacked a bit of luster, but overall it was a 56-21 to 21 victory over U of T, and they obviously have nothing to prove to anyone, so uh, folks may have been upset with the final score based on the difference in points, um, which obviously can affect some folks' uh, dollars. But other than that, these are teams on seemingly opposite sides of the football spectrum. I mean, this is a, a win for Western, you know, to, to state the least. Windsor, though, of course, still in contention 
you know, as it stands right now, they are uh, in that sixth playoff spot. So a, a bit of a cushion. Um, and then they had that big win against Toronto early in the season. So you know, with Toronto being one of those teams that's nipping on their heels in this matchup, like I said, I, you know, if somehow something happened that Windsor, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I feel silly even toying with the idea, but if somehow, some way, they picked up the win. Like all you Windsor folk can, you know. Oh my goodness, you said it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah, it was, and whatever would bring to that to come to fruition. Let's just put that aside. This is a Western win, but for a team like Western, pardon me, in Windsor, that's still, you know, in the playoff mix, been on a bit of a slide of late. What do you think they can do, especially against a team like Western, who will probably roll them? to instill some hope that a they'll still make the playoffs which looks pretty solid and b like some of these other teams we mentioned they can be in a position of strength going into the playoffs yeah i think uh i think you kind of put the hammer on the nail nail on the head whatever the saying is uh windsor is definitely going to lose this game this is going to be a a pony victory uh let's just get that out of the way um for these windsor lancers what i would really be looking for here is getting back to basics and getting back to the things that you do really well. You know, I think especially against a team against like Western, you're not going to be throwing like all of these insane passes or doing these intricate plays or whatever else. You're really going to try and just get to basics, you know, get Joey Zorn back and rolling a little bit. Get Danny Skelton feeling a little bit more comfortable, you know, quick passes here and there, get some yards, Let's see a little bit of life from this Windsor Lancer team. It seemed like they had a really strong showing. And, you know, when they went into Guelph and beat Guelph, I, all of us, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is incredible. And, you know, like many teams that we've kind of seen here, it's more so on the, the lack of the Griffin side, unfortunately. But I still think that this Windsor Lancer team is is has some potential at the very least. I believe in J.P. Cercelli, and I believe in that coaching staff. And uh, the kids here have really shown that, They have some real chemistry when they can get things going. Now, how much is that attributed to the uh, beautiful golden arches down in Windsor there? I don't know. Like we've saying, like we said before, there seems to be some kind of a magic down in Windsor, but I just want to see Windsor. Like I said, just, Get back to doing what you did in the in the first half of the season. Focus again on that running game. See if you can get something done. If you can establish something against Western. And it doesn't even have to be like Joey Zorn finishes with 200 yards. You establish a drive so that you can go back to film, go into the playoffs, and just show that drive unedited to the entire team and say, we can do this. We did this against the best team. We can do this going into the playoffs. Just get something from that. Yeah, and I think for Windsor too, you know, there's the the schedule set up because they go home in week nine to take on Waterloo. Though, you know, even going back and going back to the Trey Ford years, somehow Windsor always played Waterloo tough somehow. But you know, they're in a position to finish the season four and four, and wherever that nets them in the playoff, uh, in the playoff hierarchy in the standings I should say you know 
we'll we'll sort of wait to see how that plays out. But I think for a team with a, a fairly young coaching staff or a fairly new coaching staff under the the tutelage of JP Cercelli, as you highlighted, I'm also a fan of uh, of JP, having only got to speak with him once, but very much bought what he was selling, so to speak. And then a lot of these young players, you mentioned Skelton, obviously coming back off a brief injury, Joey Zorn. You know, you meet you, Nate and I will kind of get into our postseason um, or yeah postseason wrap-up of the regular season before we get into playoffs and everything like that but you know it's just I don't think it should be lost on folks that you know whomever they end up matching up with in the first round undoubtedly it's going to be a road trip for them which obviously makes things a bit harder in most circumstances for Windsor being so far away but a four and four season is awesome for them especially with the young players that they have I don't have the roster in front of me I'm sure they have a couple guys that are graduating out I mean a guy like Andrew Beattie's name comes to mind or Zach Benson on on the O-line um and and I'm sure plenty of other guys who like I said I just don't have the top of my mind right now but on the whole I think it's a young team it's a program that's under JP fairly uh, a new sort of identity so four and four and a playoff game and who knows maybe they pull off the upset maybe they get the ship righted um, and, and whatnot, um, you know, I, I think despite some of these ups and downs and, you know, it's it's it, here's the thing is that obviously you want to go into the playoffs hot. But if they had kind of started the season a bumpy, a little bumpy as they have been of late and then kind of got hot, I mean, put aside the impact getting hot going to the playoffs can have. It would t- completely change our perception of this team. We'd say young team took a couple lumps early in the season, but wow, hey, they just you know put a beat down on Guelph late in the season or something like that. And you know U of T at home and U of T is kind of this frisky young team as well. I think that could totally change our perception. So the fact that it's come in the opposite where they started off so spectacularly. Let's not forget that first game against Ottawa, as close as that one was, and we now see what Ottawa's become. So I think at the end of the day, you know, as you said it, you know, find those positives in this Western game take care of business at home against waterloo let the chips fall where they may go into the playoffs and this is a positive season for you on the whole um whatever causes led to this bit of a bump who knows what that's up to and probably as the up off season unfolds um we'll probably get a better sense of all that but you know i think there's a lot of positives you can take away for windsor um we said nothing about Western other than the fact that they're going to win this game and and do so going away. Is, is there anything we really need to say here, Tom? I mean, you know, it's, it's, this is the funny thing that I think oftentimes Western folks, and I've gotten called out for this before, at a Western game feel like we don't talk about them enough. It's just, <laughs> what do you want us to say half the time? Like, so is there anything really to say on this? Like, hey, close off your home regular season uh, in, in style like in fashion maybe <laughs> Philip Grohovic will get another passing touchdown receiving touchdown as he did when they uh, went to Windsor last year or or, or a different offensive lineman I, I don't know um, you know maybe hey maybe they'll do a Philly special Evan Hillock will get a receiving t- like maybe we'll see something kind of cool like that like is is there anything worth talking about on the western side Tom like I, I mean that not not entirely facetiously at least <laughs> yeah I mean we just talk about how incredible this team is and like the offense is just unbelievable the running game that they have with Benati and Keon Edwards and that offensive line up front is just insane what I'd really like to see and I doesn't really you know need to be said or anything like that is I'd like to see Evan Hillock actually be a little bit more in the offense personally you know they finish uh, Toronto 515 yards of total offense but only 144 passing now 
they don't need to pass the ball. They could probably finish a game this year with a, a zero passing attempts and still win by 60 or something like that, depending on the team that they're going up against. But you're not going to be able to get the same level of dominance every game that you go into, especially into the postseason. And if they win the Yates Cup past that, they've got some really strong teams in the rest of Canada here, specifically those Saskatchewan Huskies up from out West. If you don't get Evan Hillock real comfortable, get him throwing, get him throwing consistently in things. I don't know. That's the biggest, like, maybe that I could kind of put together with everything here. Obviously, we know Evan is an absolute stud, uh, current reigning Vanier Cup MVP and everything else. But i just like to see him get a little bit more, you know, attention in that side of things, get him throwing a little bit, getting him uh, a little bit more comfortable there. But that's... I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> well, then let's put that one uh, aside and move to uh, our other one o'clock games. I mean, for for Western, I mean, and this will work as a segue as well. I am so excited, though, to see that last uh, that week nine matchup in Ottawa against the GGs, though. Part of me wishes this was perhaps this week because then maybe it would mean a little bit more. Come week nine, we might have both teams knowing where their season will sort of lay and it won't mean anything to either side. But I'll put that aside. But of course, as I mentioned, I'm also using that point as a segue because the next team will bring up our said Ottawa GGs as they finish up their road um, regular season schedule coming to Toronto to take on the York Lions, the one and six York Lions. Let's not forget that. I mean, technicality aside, they are one and six right now. And yeah, it, you know. I feel like this isn't the first time I've seen this happen for York and maybe in the past it was Toronto, but oddly enough, I feel more often it was York where you get the last week, like the week nine by um, on top of a, a season that's already been not good. And I'm maybe there's some players and perhaps, you know, other members of that team um, who look at that and like, Hey, you know what? an extra week out of this out of this building to get away from it all you know uh thank goodness maybe there's other people who are like that's a bit of a kick in the you know what's um that you know <laughs> our season ends a week earlier um you know for Ottawa coming off the bye this it, it, kind of feels like maybe a repeat of 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 west talking about western and windsor where you know we're, everyone's picking Ottawa in this game of course um m- maybe the thing to look at is york has kind of been this odd test for teams in kind of it takes offenses a little bit to get their gears going against them and then you know like Thanos the inevitability comes and that said team will get their offense rolling so maybe for Ottawa not that it matters to them in the slightest maybe they can have the privilege of being the first team to you know well I guess Queens kind of did beat them up for four quarters straight. So you know what? There's really nothing for, for Ottawa here except just to go to Toronto, get the win, get out uninjured, and return home. Like, what else is happening in this game in your eyes, Tom? Yeah, I think the uh, the big thing there is that for this Ottawa team, and obviously, no matter what, you're going into a week, doesn't matter how poor you think the opponent is, you're always wanting to focus on that opponent, not your outlook, blah, blah, blah. But having a bye over Thanksgiving – and then playing against a York team that is very poor, let's just be honest, they're very poor, uh, and then finishing off your season against Western is kind of the best-case scenario where you get that full week uh, and that extended week off, get a time to spend with your families, you know, relax, do whatever, and then 
come back and almost have something of a tune-up game against the litmus lions that you i know that you like to uh you like to refer yeah, to yeah baby uh but and I, we say it seems like we say it every single week you know you need to make sure that you're taking them seriously dominate them like you should blah 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 but seriously if ottawa can use this game properly and use this like i said as a bit of a tune-up game Suddenly they're coming high off of a dominant victory against York. We did what we needed to do. We've got the Western Mustangs in Ottawa. And even if the standings are set and nothing else can be changed, if the GGs come away with a win against Western going into the playoffs, that is a very dangerous team. So if the coaching staff and the team and the, the players can properly utilize this York game, it can be a massive, uh, turning point not necessarily a turning point but an increase to the level of activity and the le- the level of hype going into a western game at the end of the season in Ottawa which could be huge yeah and you know y- you mentioned just the possibility of Ottawa taking out western um so i got to just go down the rabbit hole looking at the s- standings right now i mean like what like western's not gonna let that happen i mean obviously no one goes into a game being like ah you know we we let them beat us but there lies a possibility where in the first year of an eight week oua season where we now only have the one bye week or perhaps i'm you know uh, maybe a a, a foregone time that was the case but in 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 much recent uh, editions of OUA football it's been the top two teams getting the bye um there's no way in this 2022 season that they're gonna drop that game to then give Ottawa what I would assume would be that bye with the head-to-head win and both teams finishing at six and one but oh my gosh like you better believe that part that in my head that is a you know that somewhere in the multiverse that is a reality that exists um yeah for york man hey it was it was good to see avante mccoy get a few uh carries in the backfield for them he's you know he's obviously a player that you know young guy in their system that's uh uh for the lines faithful out there can give you some hope um as we as we say seemingly every few weeks it's not a team that you know year after year record aside is uh at a lack of of talent and talent that oftentimes makes their way into combines drafts and into the cfl so you know always interested to see kind of who those players are going to be but i mean eh, really i think that's about it for this game anything else we need to say about ottawa at york no like i said this is uh there's not a whole lot of things that we can say positively about these York Lions, except that the suffering is coming to an end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, everyone had a kindergarten teacher at some point tell them, if you have nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. So um, I guess we'll uh, take that philosophy <laughs> and move on to our next game. Uh, the other team hailing from Ottawa, the Carlton Ravens, also coming off of a bye, hosting the Waterloo Warriors, coming off a... Closer than the final score looks, Battle of Waterloo loss, of course, that they took at the hands of their down-the-street rivals and Wilfred Laurier Golden Hawks, you know, is a 21-point difference at the end. Seven of those points came on, if it wasn't the last play, it was one of the last five plays on a just breakaway touchdown that, you know... (laughs) 
Uh, you know the 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 the, the CRA is looking into some collusion or who knows what's going on with with all that because they were definitely had to do with some money with, with that. I mean, not that I actually think that that played a factor in, um, though it is so interesting to think about these games now that we have live money bets on these on these OUA games. But you know, for Waterloo, um, you know, sitting at one and five right now. I'm not going to try and do the cartwheels in my head to figure out if a possible scenario exists that they can still slip into the playoffs. I mean, we'll talk about McMaster very shortly when we get to their game this weekend. And, you know, because it's a Waterloo team that's already, well, they've lost to both U of T and Toronto. I can't imagine that there exists a possibility they sneak in. So let's just, you know, hey, feel free to use this soundbite if somehow you do sneak in Warriors, but let's just assume that the Warriors' playoff hopes are dashed for the year. Um, So looking at these Carlton Ravens, going back to that, the point I was raising earlier, you know, this is your time to... You know, go back into our, our our archives and pull out sound bites of me saying that I, you know, I still don't really believe in your squad, despite sitting right now at three and three. You know, on the cusp of a home playoff game, it's probably not going to happen at this point. Um, and you know, you've shown you have uh, you have the tools, you have really high caliber players on really every facet of the game uh you know there is obviously you know we talked about with Windsor being in a position where the the sort of new era of JP Cercelli of course it's the it's the Corey Grant era and it's very first year for the Carlton Ravens and obviously he's uh his ability as a coach from his time at Mac and, and before that is highly touted but obviously it takes time to get the ball rolling so maybe this is a season like with Windsor where you say you know what some positives here and there we're kind of getting the call building and things like that and maybe you get a uh, you know you get a, a really frisky playoff uh, you know even defeat against one of these sort of higher caliber teams or maybe you come out of the bye and you start playing four quarters of solid football and it, as we say you know they they're hosting Waterloo then they finish their season against Guelph. It is so far from unfathomable that this team finishes five and three, and that five and three may have them still sitting in that fifth spot, nonetheless. But as we said, it, it's it's not only it's not always just about the record. It's about how you got those wins, when you got those wins, and everything like that. It, what do you kind of see? I mean, we we talked about them a little bit in the preamble, and I sort of reiterated those points. But what are you looking for in this matchup? I mean, I'm I, I'm taking Carlton at home here, um, not just because I think they they are the better team, but as also a statement of like, take care of your darn business, Ravens. You know, do your job. You're coming off the bye, and take out this Waterloo team. What, what what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, like you said, I think these these next two games with these Ravens could be extremely pivotal for them, just establishing a little bit more. Um, confidence going into the playoffs which as you and I both know having confidence going into the playoffs versus coming off of a big loss and still limping into the playoffs are two vastly different areas to kind of enter into uh, a postseason with and so with two teams that very easily these should be wins it's not maybe if or not these should on paper be wins for these Carlton Ravens teams so get like I don't know what else to say other than just get it together Put it all together. Take that second half that you had against McMaster and the first half that you had against Windsor, put them together and have a hell of a game. 
we've seen what you can do. You know, when Tanner DeYoung is on fire, when Joshua Ferguson is running the ball, when Kasim Ferdinand is uh, catching it, like there's so much potential specifically on this offense. Obviously you have, have you know, Shaheem Charles Brown with uh, what the really impressive sacks that he did against McMaster, which looking at the McMaster offensive line was maybe a little bit less impressive, <laughs> but still four sacks in one game, Like he's got the potential to be a game changer in that sense. I would just love to see them establish themselves and play for four quarters, put together a, an entire game's worth of performance in either of these games, ideally both of them that you have remaining here and go into the playoffs with some serious confidence. You know, you, you, there's actually one stat from the, uh, the Panda bowl that I I wanted to bring up to you that I thought was a little strange. Um, Carlton finishes with 216 yards of total offense, but only nine first downs. Yeah, I'm not. Well, you you keep going on that. I'm 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 not very smart, so it might take me a little extra prodding to sort of put piece that together. What do you make of of seeing that? Well, just purely, if you're getting ten yards on the dot to get your first down, that should be ninety yards because you've got nine first downs. But there's two hundred and sixteen yards in there. I just thought that was a little weird. Nothing of the sort, other than just a little strange. Oh, actually, uh, no. I do have an answer for that. Um, at least just. it's clicked for me. Uh, I don't know where they sit right now. I think we talked about early in the season, but Carlton is notorious, a notoriously high penalty team. So it may have been the case of them picking up yards and then the ball coming back and not being free. Maybe that doesn't make sense either, but that's, that's a, you know, you're right. That is a weird thing. Or, you know, also a couple big hitters too. Anyways, weird. Obviously all works out more weird stuff. More weird stuff from Carlton. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was just i just thought that was weird to see on paper but yes like i said carlton put together a full game against these waterloo warriors and you should win you should win i'm going with the ravens to win this game but put together a full four quarters yeah and you know what um despite the young quarterback play from waterloo that hasn't prevented james basiliga from just absolutely dominating secondaries all season long and they still have Gordon Lamb as well so you know as far as the defensive side of the ball for Waterloo pardon me for Carlton you know Waterloo against lesser opponents we've seen put up points and you know we talk about some you you, you highlight those weapons that Carlton has on offense beautifully and you look on the defensive side of the ball and you know I still see names like Cole Hepburn, who's been in that program for a while, uh, Christian, who's been there, you know, uh, Ife Onyeka, uh, Talik Aoman, the transfer from York, um, you know, guys that you know, obviously Aoman is, is a new player in that system, but a, a, a guys who should make that a formidable secondary against a very formidable passing attack. You know, say what you want about the young quarterback and as a young O line as well. And you already touched on Shaheem Charles Brown, and maybe this will be another game that he breaks out for. You know what over under on sacks maybe at two and a half for him in this one um but on all facets of the ball just really this is a great opportunity to have a state two statement wins and you're right it's not it's 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 a disservice to them to say that it's you know it's unfathomable or it's not unfathomable i guess it's just it's fathomable <laughs> that they can <laughs> go on a two-game win streak here to end their season no 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 anything less than a two-game win streak for carlton to end your season 
is just, you know, kind of more disappointment on a year that's been slightly disappointing. Even though, like we said, they could end up five and three, four and four, even not that bad either, but still just slightly disappointing. Anyways, we're both on Carlton on this game. Let's move on to uh, our last uh, game in the one o'clock slot. Uh, Guelph traveling uh, the short drive to Kitchener-Waterloo to take on the Wilfred Laurier Golden Hawks, uh, one of the hottest teams right now in all of Ontario. Uh, Taylor Elgersma looking like a stud, slinging it out to his guys like Ethan Jordan out there. You know, running the ball uh, super effectively. That defense, as I was saying to Nate, you know, I love it when I start to see their defense turning the ball over or, or causing turnovers, I should say. Um, and just, you know, the, the team that I give Nate a lot of credit for getting, get, you know, kind of catching a whiff of something more than just a young team making a few nice looking wins here and there, but a, a real shot at being in that upper echelon or that you know tier two area of the OUA this year and a Guelph team that you know I I guess I'll apply my 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 York principle of you know not having anything nice to say so I, I won't say much about them but you kind of mentioned some of these teams showing their colors and that's not always necessarily in a positive way and uh you know Guelph I mean you know I I didn't want you know me and Nate kind of talked around some of those things that you had brought to light in our group chat that were appearing on Guelph's own social media. Um, you know, once again, as far as I'll say, if people want to go see that, go check it out yourself. Uh, though I, you know, I have my thoughts about um, some of the pieces in place at Guelph. I don't feel it's my part to, you know, make any of those statements um, on our platform. But just as far as, as someone who's been part of that system, and in that organization recently, like, you know, this is a whole other level. I mean, obviously it was seemingly like Warren Craney in the early part of the season kind of became a bit of a meme in the OUA, um, just with what was going on there. Um, and they're probably in York laughing now being like, Hey, thanks Guelph. Like no one seems to be paying us any attention anymore to our shenanigans. They're just looking at, you know, the spotlights on you, uh, as someone who's also had some familiarity with that program and more recently than I have, like, uh, in any direction you want to take it, like what have your thoughts been kind of seeing this soap opera kind of play out, if you will. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of the Griffin faithful here that are not exactly happy with how the team has been going this year. And quite honestly, rightfully so. I know that there's a ton of injuries that have happened and there's a lot of things that have kind of gone up in the air that are out of coach's control for sure. But you know, gun to my head at the beginning of the season. If you had told me that Guelph was going to have one win on the year going into week eight, I would have laughed at you. We we were picking Western Guelph to be the Yates Cup this year. Now it looks like Guelph might not even make the playoffs. This is just a... Might not. Complete... Sorry, might not. Not, not. <laughs> Sorry, Tom, yeah. continue. Sorry. No, that's completely fair. They... They're not going to make the playoffs this year. And that's the craziest thing that I think I've, I'm looking back on it. The craziest thing that I could have thought to have said, but seeing this Griffin team here, it's just, it, it just is completely out of the wheelhouse of what we've seen before. Dennis McPhee as a defensive coordinator is amazing. The guy knows the game inside and out. And yet what are the Griffins, the number one team for uh, rushing defense, allowing rushing uh, to happen in the entire country. I know they are in the OUA, 
Like it's just completely not what we were expecting for this, this year. And, you know, anytime that you have a team that's not going up to par, obviously you're going to have a lot of people who are upset and things. And a lot of that gets pointed to the head coach and just, it's just, it's been tough to watch this Griffin team. I know that a lot of those players still from my time that, that I was there and I feel for them because, you know, this is a very tough season for especially those seniors to kind of go through here. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Zach, mm. you had the chance to go to the game last week and kind of see everything. I know you don't want to really comment on things because you are a former Griffin and this is still your team and everything else, but what's the vibe like in the stadium with some of the other Griffins that you must have seen when you were there? Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll leave them nameless. I mean, not that there was anything like overly scandalous. I did bump into one of my former teammates and, you know, it's to put it quite simply, it just seems like an, I was at the Stu Lang reunion dinner a few weeks prior um, going into their homecoming game. You know, it, somehow it feels like that Mac loss was worse than the Queens loss, despite the, the, the how much more lopsided the Queens one was just adding on everything that's kind of happened since on top of it. And it just. You know, you say they're, they're, they're my Griffins, and yeah, I know I still love them. I still have my, my plush Guelph Griffin blanket on my on my bed when I go to sleep at night. I have, you know, my, my red and yellow uh, 55 pillows that my, my sister made for me, as she did for all our team, you know, in the spirit of Guelph colors. And if the, and I will be the first one to be in full arms, wrap my arms around, in, in full support, wrap my arms around this team. If, you know, things start to, you know, uh, to pick up for them and that might seem bandwagony, but it's just it's been um, and, and I, I I never want to put this on the players. And I don't want to be naming individuals, but it's it's just a program that just seems so lost at sea. And it seems like the consensus from talking with, like I said, one individual I played with who I saw at the game and then a few more I talked to um, a few weeks ago at a stealing reunion dinner is just like. These aren't really. It doesn't feel like our Guelph Griffins anymore. It's just there's a certain there was a certain, and you know it sounds like I'm pumping the tires of the own you know the teams I played for. I mean, fair. Um, but I think there was a certain grit and underdoggedness that we kind of rose with. And I think of late Guelph's been associated with all the frills and everything that um, you know. I think obviously Stu Lang brought into that program, but in many ways I think was. I don't want to say earned necessarily because I mean, hey, like we got, you know, like to, to, to get Stu Lang into our lives. I mean, my dad will constantly remind me how lucky I was uh, just to be able to like, you know, learn from that man for as long as I got to. Um, so, you know, we didn't do anything to to get Stu Lang into that program. But the fact that we did it, but it just felt like it was, a uh, you know, you know, the sort of uh, the Guelph Griffins, the kind of, you know, maybe, you know, hey, maybe they'll go three and five. Maybe they'll go two and six. Yeah, the the, the, the plucky Guelph Griffins. Then, oh, you know what? bunch of, You know, I saw um former teammate of mine on social media, Nick Parasoto, uh, or one of the guys I played with posted a photo of a bunch of the, the guys. And you know it was in the in the comments it was like seven and one seven and one seven and one championship or whomever it was posting and it was like, anyways I, I, I'm I'm obviously all all out of sorts just you know trying to even answer your question about it but it just it doesn't feel like the same era and obviously you know things change and you got to readjust uh, to them but uh, man I, I don't know where things go with this team right now because it, it just it, 
it felt like such a, I mean, I, I kind of, I said this to Nate, so I guess I'll say it again, you know, and you know, law of the jungle, right? You, you can't take a Griffin's spirit. You can't take a Griffin's heart. And it just felt like a, a, um, a, a team that was lacking in soul and in heart or in spirit and in heart. And I don't, I don't put that on the players. It just feels like, you know, they're running on four flats almost, you know, it's just anyways, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm saying unnice things and I don't mean to be, I just, it's just, it ain't great. No, listen, it, yeah, it's, it's not a great situation in Guelph right now. Uh, and I don't think that's, you know, necessarily the player's fault. And I don't want to like, it's, it's just been such a, uh, a cluster essentially. I'm not going to finish that saying, but I know all of, you know, it's been a cluster, mm. you know, with all of the injuries that you have here, with the uncertainty that you have at quarterback with, with everything that's kind of happening, it's just not been Guelph's year, pure, plain and simple. Um, flipping sides. Yes. Let's talk about going on to the, the McMaster Marauders. No, my Marauders. Wait, Marauders, the Golden Hawks. No, no, no. Oh, that, we oh, we still... talked all about we talked all about Guelph. I'm, st- I'm saying some stuff about my Marauders okay. before we move on here. <laughs> We're about to talk about Mac in the next game, but go ahead, go ahead, say your piece. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a great showing on on their side of things going through everything here. Not necessarily, you know. There was still some life on this uh, Griffin team when they played against the Marauders. That's really where I wanted to bring this up here. Uh, And just kind of showcasing that, you know, a lot of the times on first down, you saw McMaster rush for like eight or nine yards and things. And you're thinking, oh, wow, like they're going to run all over this team. And then they set back the pass and Scott Murray and Yusuf kind of come around the, the corners there and they're creating pressure. They're getting sacks. You know, they had a safety in the end zone there. And I thought, oh, that's always a huge momentum turner and things. So there are pieces on this Griffin team that are still solid. There are so many talented players on this Griffin team that, you know, I don't think they're always going to be you know, if they end up this year, one in seven, I don't think that that's going to be the the next year or the year after or whatever else. They showed some really great things against this uh, McMaster team, which, you know, has had their own struggles, but I still think is a fairly good team. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful for these teams, but uh, the Laurier Golden Hawks just look outstanding right now. There was a reason why I brought them up at the very beginning saying that they were on a roll here and they're really starting to get uh, going here. Um, Taylor Elgishma, like 18 for 32, 313 yards for a long of 86 and two touchdowns. That's a hell of a game, man. Quentin Scott going off for what he did, you know, 192 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Like that's pretty impressive. 23 rushing attempts. That's what I really like to, to focus in on. He is their guy. He is their back. You know, there was a lot of different questions and things that I was wondering about with Laurier coming into here. And, you know, we saw some flashes from Scott last year and we wasn't sure how that was going to happen this year. He's established himself. They are on a momentum and uh, that spells a lot of trouble for these Griffins. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Scott really establishing himself as that bell cow, you know, with a guy like Tanner Nelms, who uh, I believe has been in the system for a year longer. I think actually a Guelph guy, if I remember correctly, um, but who's also been effective for them, you know, working out of the backfield as well. And then you look at that receiving core, our receiving core already mentioned Ethan Jordan's name being on the receiving end of that 86-yard bomb of a touchdown. Uh, ben McAlpine we've seen uh, this year, though uh, not as impressive in the Waterloo game. Uh, Raiden Thorne had himself a nice game 
in that last performance. Like I said, too, defensively. You know this team's really starting to to step up in in their own right. I mean, Shamari Hutchinson with the two interceptions had I think one the week before as well. I mean, he's the veteran uh, in that secondary or sort of linebacking core secondary for them. Patrick Burke Jr. is just you know same thing. Like the ball just finds its way to his hands, and then you know all through that that defensive front uh, front seven, I should say. You know, Damian Jamison, former York Lion, Ife Onyemenem. In the middle, like those two guys are beasts. Brandon Omanua, uh, and a guy that I shouted out talking with with Nate, and I'll mention again, Luke Brubacher. And I think you gave him some love earlier in the season. Like the dude's like six six, six seven, monster, uh, like absolute monster, and was just chasing Nolan Caban all over the game. Like I think they only only credit with one sack on it but like you know that part of you know Caban's inefficiency in that game i mean he's obviously a young player and partly what no doubt led to a couple of those interceptions is him being like um let me get this ball out of my hand before I get murdered by Luke Brubacher like you know so it's uh, really exciting to see what's happening at Laurier they seem to have a bit of a swagger which you know is awesome for a team that you know in many respects is relatively young so we've talked with a number of these teams kind of building that identity you know Michael Falds Todd Galloway in the mix like veteran coaches in the OUA and coaches who've worked with veteran and young teams um and you know what let's shout out the kicking as well Dawson Hodge has been excellent this year um kicking the ball for them so you know this is this is a fun team this is a team where you know, obviously, you know, said what we said or said what we didn't say about Western and then like, you know, it's it's all been said. It's all been written. That's fine. Queens kind of similar, but, you know, not quite as high up there as this sort of, you know, classic OUA team, uh, a team that's coming off of the Yates. You mentioned the team that can somehow go to a championship, uh, losing a championship, yet somehow have this massive chip on their shoulder. And, you know, despite the questions about now James Keenan's health, what's going to happen there? They have been super impressive. And I feel like, Ottawa and Laurier and it bears out in the game that those two teams played each other are kind of like I would just watch those two teams play each other every week if I could if the, I would just watch a rotation of yeah, maybe throw Queens out of them maybe Queens is a slight tick above them but I would just watch Ottawa and Queens play week after week like if that somehow was a a, a, a Yates Cup like that would be awesome um just two teams where you know for different reasons just really entertaining to watch um but yeah Shout out to these Golden Hawks because, I, I, you know, I'm not remembering sort of where we slotted them in in the preseason, uh, in the, sort of our preseason rankings. D- definitely higher than perhaps we thought Ottawa would be. So, you know, Ottawa folks, I'm sure, are still, you know, unhappy with that. But, man, yeah, these Golden Hawks, it's great. I don't know what more to say other than I guess, you know, well, if, if you haven't picked up on it that uh, we're probably both going with the Golden Hawks in this victory. Yes? Nod the head. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, then I don't know what else to say. Tom, any last words on this matchup here? Yeah, I mean, Laurier, like I said, you know, they're they're coming on at the right time. I think, you know, looking back on it with this team and just the structure of it and everything, having that first game against Western, even though it was a loss, is probably set them on the right path and that like almost the mentality of okay, we got the bad one out of the way. Like that was that was you know, whether or not you thought or whatever that was going to happen, like the Western's rolling, whatever, we got it out of the way. Now let's focus on everything else. Let's, let's get something going. Let's get rolling here. And, uh, you know, Laurier has been really impressing. I think, you know, certainly myself and everybody at the, at the 55 here, um, 
I was really happy to see, you know, we talked about a little bit about that Laurier defense as well. You know, not to say that Waterloo has an explosive offense by any means, but Nolan Caban has really shown that he can, he can do some things. And um, they completely shut down that rushing attack. You know, the number one rusher for Waterloo was Caban at 36 yards, you know, underneath under a hundred yards total on the day there. Um, that front seven for Laurier has is good. And I feel like has been a staple of that defense for, as far as far as long as I can remember with all of the amazing defensive linemen and linebackers and everybody else that has come up uh, through there through the years, a front seven, a solid front seven on the defense from the Laurier Golden Hawks is almost expected at this point. And, uh, you know, guys like Luke Brubacher, who are just terrifying to look at and uh, chasing you down a quarterback. That's um, I guess I'll finish it off and just saying Laurier looks really good. This is going to be uh, uh, another tough game for Guelph. Yeah, I'm going Golden Hawks. Definitely, and you know, and you mentioned them shutting down the run game. Anthony Miller, Nick Sua, they're not chopped liver. You know, um, those are guys who have had good performances this year. Um, so yeah, shout, shout out to the Golden Hawks. Um, and and yeah, you know, it, I, I don't I don't mean to I'm not trying to steal the last word, but you know, talking about earlier with York putting you know guys into the pros, and you kind of mentioned that with with Laurier. I'm sure most people who, who follow the CFL as well as the OUA, you know, I'm sure KGJ, Curly Gittins Jr. is the name that everyone thinks about. But, you know, Laurier's D-line you when it comes to putting pros into the uh, into the CFL. Um, so let's move into our final game on the docket. And now you can talk about McMaster, not that you already haven't, Tom. Gosh. <laughs> Three o'clock game, McMaster Marauders hitting the road to take on Nate's. Queens Golden Gales. Uh, Queens also coming off the Thanksgiving week by Mac coming off that win in the uh, the Highway Six Bowl. I think they were uh, marketing it as their win in the Royal City against Guelph. Mm. This is a game that I'm tempted to say is is interesting. I mean, it's it, sorry, it, it's interesting. There are things that I'm I'm gonna be curious to see how they play out. Um, number one, who's gonna be trotting out for Queens? I mean, at quarterback, I still feel like it'll probably uh, be Vreekin just for the sake of where Queens is, like not knowing anything about uh, James Keenan's status, but just kind of thinking about kind of where Queens is at this point in the season and what they've been able to show with not only with Vreekin, but with that, you know, spectacular rushing attack and a defense that's been second to none or at least very few, um, or I guess it would be second to only one, not few. Um and for Mac, you know, this is the thing where, you know, you talk about them riding some of those positives, positives off that Guelph win. And, and, you know, doesn't take going back that far where we had them with the 43 nothing win off of Waterloo and saying, hey, you know what? What can they what can they ride from this? They get a bye week and then they take on Mac. Pardon me, they take on Western at home. What can they ride from those positives? And it just feels like that Mac has kind of been and you throw in that forfeited win against York early in the season, and it seems to be a theme we've talked about this year, pardon me, in this podcast, about how wins come at different points of the season and being able to get rolling. This just feels like a MAC team where, you know, I, I know earlier in the season we posted on our social media strength of schedule just based on opponents' uh, schedule the year prior. This feels like it's been ultimately a tough schedule for them in that they haven't had... It, opportunities to really get the ball rolling and this kind of feels like yeah you're bang on there were some a lot of positives they can take away from that Guelph win despite what we might think about Guelph at this point this deep into the year 
But it's just like, dang, like, you know, it almost as if they had the UFT game this week and then build into Queens and say the last week of the season. That feels like that would be the recipe of, you know, maybe being like, huh, you know what? Two game win streak, possibly. I know Nate's really big on that UFT Mac game week nine. But does, does that sort of resonate with you at all that like it almost feels like Mac has yet to get the opportunity? And I feel like that's maybe giving an excuse to the Marauders, but the, it just seems like they'll get a nice looking win and see some of those but then a team that's just categorically is better than them by, by some measure, whether it's the Westerns of the world or Queens that regardless of injuries should or is the better team. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to give these Marauders, my Marauders, any kind of, uh, you know, what am I trying to say here? Uh, leeway or excuse or anything like that. I think that um, this McMaster team, in my opinion, and maybe it's a biased opinion, whatever. I think this McMaster team is much better than the what two and four record that they currently have. Um, well, let's in call my it, opinion, sorry, let's sorry, sorry to cut you, let's call it let's call it three and three. Like call you know what I mean? Just like for for the sake of like understanding like you know what they've actually done. I'm sorry to cut you off. I know they are two and four. The standing is what it is. The record is what it is. But you know, just to understand to your point, let's call like call it three and three for a hot second. Yeah. Uh, so we'll say that they are, they're a three and three team. In my opinion, uh, I know how amazing Ottawa has been and they've been crushing it and everything else. This very winnable game for McMaster when they played against Ottawa, despite having the, you know, the loss uh, come midweek and getting, you know, flustered with how does this affect our playoff schedule and blah, blah, blah. They only lost that game by seven points. And they, they even got down to having a hail Mary pass with all of the, you know, uh, struggles that they've had, especially early in the season. So that game was very close and we know how good Ottawa is. So I think this team, even technically being a three and three team, I think they are supposed to be better than that. Now they haven't shown up since that's why, you know, the, the scores have been what they are. And I don't want to take anything away from Ottawa. Like I said, they are a fantastic team, but I'm starting to see little by little improvements on the McMaster Marauders. I'm starting to see a little bit more of what we wanted to see. And yes, Guelph gives up a lot of rushing yards. Yes, but they still showcase some really solid play there. And specifically from that offensive line, which has had a lot of, a lot of questions. I saw some great open holes. I saw Daniel Bossett really go out and uh, be able to grind out some yards there, which I was very happy to see. Um, but is it going to be enough against these Queens Golden Gales? I don't think so. Uh, I had the chance to actually speak to uh, Coach Potasic last week and just kind of talk to him a little bit about the season and everything else. And I asked him a little bit on Alex Vreekin, and he said, quote, Vreekin is one of the best quarterback prospects that we saw. Um, now, he did say only second to Keegan Hall. Hey. <laughs> uh, who obviously is the backup quarterback at McMaster here, but this kid Vreekin is one of the best. He certainly was one of the best quarterback prospects in the country. And the fact that Queens have has him here is uh, nothing short of amazing for that program. I mean, you look at the stats, you know, they played against York. Sure. But this is a like first time full on starting as a quarterback for Queens Golden Gales. He goes 17 for 23, 223 yards and three touchdowns. That does not scream rookie quarterback to me. Uh, I think this guy is the real deal. And no matter how 
well or how uh, much better I think the McMaster Marauders have been getting over the past few weeks. Queens is just really impressive, and especially coming off of a bye week, this is going to be a gale a gale's win. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Queens as well. I mean, you add on the the fact they're at home, um, and I think Queens is one of those places that they do get a bit of an advantage being at Richardson Stadium, um, which Nate to no end last year would repeat the 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 best stadium in in the OUA uh, or the most beautiful. But you know, I'm sure that's not just him uh, supporting his uh, his squad necessarily uh, biasedly. There's definitely a great argument for that. And, and you know what though, um, you know, once again, not to just sort of give uh, Mac the leeway as you were saying, um, but it, we talked about Guelph and being like, hey, if you said like. This actually, this would be a good gimmick to do at the end of the season. Like, what is something that played out that you would not have believed? Like, what are your top three things you would not have believed played out at the end of the season if you were told that, like, ghost of end of season past or whatever, coming to tell you going into the preseason, this is what's going to happen in, you know, uh, two and a half months' time. And he said the piece on, well, Guelph going, say, possibly one and seven. You wouldn't believe that, right? But then you actually look through the games and it's like, wow, like they were just clearly bad this year. You know, you look at the way they were losing. And for McMaster, you know, I kind of rudely interrupted to sort of make the statement of, you know, to talk about sort of what their team is capable of, what this team is, you know, refer to them at least as three and three. Obviously, the record is the record. I'm not trying to say that, oh, oh, they they should be three. No, no, no. They're two and four. But, you know, that they did beat York, you know, in the game. It's not hard to see this team. Not only obviously being three and three, if not for whatever the ineligible player situation was, say not happening, whatever, you know, T needed to be crossed, I needed to be dotted, like whatever. It's really not that hard to see this team possibly at this point in the season being one of those five and one teams right now. Um, and, and, you know, I, I've been the first person to talk about all the issues that have plagued them and the offensive line and the inability for them to run and and protect Duick, obviously being paramount um, amongst like, you know, amongst all like any reason you would bring up. But like it's it's not, you know, Guelph sitting at one and five right now. And then you go through those games. It's like. Wow, I wouldn't believe they'd be at one at five. But you look at these games; it's like they weren't in a lot of these games. I mean, even that Windsor game, like it was tight on the scoreboard, but Windsor ran all over them. Right, Mac. On the other hand, you look at it, it's been like you mentioned that Ottawa game. Let's go back to that Carlton game as well, right? And then you throw in the you throw in the the York game as well, and right there, boom, that's three games that you could flip on the schedule. Um, and and the games are what they are, right? And I'm, and once again, I'm not trying to be a McMaster an apologist or anything like that. But just as far as you know, looking at it's one thing to just say, yeah, no, no, they're two and four. They're sitting, you know, fourth at fourth to the from the bottom right now. But they certainly have shown the potential to be greater. And as we've talked about, once again, seemingly the theme of this podcast, and I'm sure it'll be the same as we go into week nine, will be not necessarily about where you've been, but it's where you are and where you look like you're going as we enter the playoffs. Nonetheless, I don't know what that's going to give them, um, how much solace that gives them going into Kingston, because... Um, you know, I I love that you got to uh, speak to Coach P, and I loved hearing him. I, I love you sort of reiterating those words and him being so uh, big on Vreekin, um because I'll say it again, he's freaking good. And, and I feel like I've been hearing that sentiment from some folks that I've spoken with, kind of uh, trying to get a glimpse of of what this Queens team might be looking at. Um, if it is the worst case scenario, 
of them having to go on this, you know, playoff journey sans James Keenan, which is heartbreaking to think about. Just knowing that you know, it's a, it's a, 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 a senior player now, um, no doubt wanting another shot at Western after not only last year losing, but then the game earlier this year in London, which was such a spectacular event. So you know, I, I think there'll be some takeaways. I think for Mac, you know. Kind of like we said with Windsor, um, a, a loss this week. Still keep your eye on the proverbial prize and and move forward with the takeaways that you can and, and, and see where you got better, where you did. And, you know, just be thinking, hey, we're going to we are going to make the playoffs and let's play spoiler for someone. Um, and maybe this is a Queens team that you face in that first round again. It could be two weeks from now. They're making another trip down to Kingston. You never know. So, you know, who knows how much that plays into effect if that's hiding in the back of any of the coaches heads going into this matchup. So. So I, I go back to what I initially said. I, I think Queens should take this one, which is why I was initially going to say maybe not interesting as far as if we just look at the score. But there's definitely going to be some things that play out through whistle to whistle that, you know, come come Nate and I. And then no doubt when you and I sit down to talk about next week, we'll be like, you know what? Score wasn't necessarily pretty or wasn't necessarily close for long. But there are some things we need to talk about from that uh, Mac Queens game. Or maybe it won't be. Who knows? That's why they play the games, and, and you know, and why people love to point out all the idiotic things that uh, that I say on this podcast. Um, Tom, uh, any, any last words uh, you want to say about uh, this team here uh, in in the opportunity that you are you know the most supposed to speak about your McMaster Marauders, their game? I'm I'm just giving you crap. Um, before we close out this episode, yeah. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to to kind of mention here is. You know, Alex Vreekin, like we said, absolute stud of a quarterback, solid, solid uh, player for these Queens Golden Gales. Take with it as you will. I know that Guelph has had a real uh, quarterback carousel with, you know, Tommy Yanchuk and J- Jake Helfrick and um, somehow Sean Lull being in the stands. It just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But this McMaster Marauder defense had six takeaways including five interceptions, three against Helfrick, two against Yanchuk. You know, regardless if quarterback play is bad or whatever else, five interceptions is still a notable number there. So at the very least, this McMaster defensive secondary is riding a bit of a high, knowing that they have the capabilities, they can cover these guys, whatever. If you have a rookie quarterback like Alex Vreekin, Maybe you can disguise some coverages. Maybe you can uh, take some key takeaways away. And like you said, maybe this game's a lot closer than we thought it was. Maybe it's not a blowout by any means. Or, you know, maybe at one point McMaster has a lead for a little bit. Maybe even if it's just one drive or whatever. But I think we're going to see some good things from from McMaster for sure. I think they're going to start building off of certain things. But it's, it's definitely not going to be enough. And Queens is going to take this win here. But... We'll see what Mac can put together against a very good Gales team in Kingston. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, obviously those five picks in one game is an outlier performance, to, to say the least. Um, but, you know, it's obviously worth noting that, you know, the, the the picks are, you know, the picks are the picks. And it has them sitting top in the OUA right now in interceptions um so you know it, not for nothing right um so yeah and 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 as you, and to sort of finish off uh, or just tag on with that point you know all, all the things that have perhaps given us fits about this mac team it's it's 
not really ever been on the defensive side of the ball. Um, in fact, there's actually been a lot of things that have been really exciting um, about this MAC defense, like guys like Devontae Ballantine and uh, uh, Nana Yasurbe, um, and sort of the secondary for them. And always fun to watch Josh Cumber. Uh, it's great, you know, all, all the things being live is just getting to watch him. And I say this with all the love in the world um, watch him just run his mouth. <laughs> Because boy, oh boy, he loves to talk. I, I, I love it, and I got to meet Josh. And I don't think he would take that as an insult. Um, I think he does so proudly. Um, so Tom, awesome getting to chop up with chop it up with you talking OUA football. Um, you know, I think we were able to tease out all the interesting things that we are going to see on this weekend. Though we're back to the juggling act of four games all happening simultaneously, and the fifth one with only a two-hour separation in the fold. But that's okay because you know what? It's week eight. All of these games matter in some form or function for these teams, whether or not it's it's more practically in the standings or just as a program uh, kind of moving forward as we, wow, as we near the, 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 the precipice of, of the postseason and the end of some of these teams' seasons. Um, so I can't wait to, to see what unfolds. I can't wait to talk with Nate about it. I can't wait to be messaging with you about it all and, and the rest of our team. And then when we get back together next week. So, uh, Tom, once again, great having you back on the pod. And uh, me and Nate will be talking to all you beautiful folks come Monday at noon at 55.